0: Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. soundtrack to a life chris still here still in his apartment hoping to leave his apartment someday with me once again is naomi hey naomi how's it going
1: pretty good chris it's very exciting to uh to see you once again and uh i like the nails although you can't see this on the audio podcast oh yeah the nails are good to those
0: of you listening at home i have bleached out parts of my hair dyed it various colors and painted my fingernails black as I fully regressed to my most 21-year-old club kid self uh, while locked away in quarantine. As I think we probably all have done a little bit. Oh, I've done some strange things. Oh, yeah? <laughs> all right. What's the weirdest thing you've done while quarantined?
1: I didn't shave my underarms for two months just to see what it would look like. That checks out. Yeah. But I... it's all back to normal now. Yeah? Yeah. And yeah. now I know what it looks like. And it just looks like hair. And that's... Fine, I'm over it.
0: <laughs> so there was no like revelatory, mm-hmm. "Yes, this is me. This is who I truly am" type this moment is, at the end. No, of.
1: it showed me that it's absolutely who I am. Not, I, I, I was not a fan. Fair. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, my haircut is by my own hand. The dye job is by my own hand. I had very long hair at the start of this, but it caused me to keep touching my face when I went outside, and that was giving me panic attacks.
1: Oh yeah. So that had to go. So it's shorter, but it's not super short. It's still got a nice little wave to it. No, that's cool that you had products at home to already like diet. Oh,
0: I got them all on a uh, drugstore run. Ah, nice. I got them while buying Champex. It's not a good time to have a persistent cough, so okay. I figured I would uh quit smoking.
1: Congratulations. How long now? About a month. And the Champex is not making you sick at all? Did you get any nausea?
0: Uh, I did not get any nausea. I've been on the drug several times. Uh, The dreams are fucked up, but in a general sense, they don't do a lot of physical symptoms for me.
1: Oh, you're lucky. That's good. I hope it's helping a lot.
0: It really is. I
1: was very surprised. And Naomi
0: and I are here talking today about Extreme's 1992 album, Three Sides to Every Story. Naomi, tell tell me about this piece of music. What is your relationship with these guys?
1: Um, I discovered this band in that year. They had put out... Well, first of all, this band is known for a acoustic ballad that hit number one in 91 called More Than Words, which is a huge departure from the actual rest of their music and their entire catalog. This band's known for being kind of all over the map musically, and this album really represents that, as it can't really be narrowed down to one specific genre if you listen to it. I think they were trying to create a concept album, much like the albums of the 70s. Like It almost went to a progressive rock place by the time you get near the end of it. And it's broken up into three parts, which they called sides, three sides to every story. The first being yours, the second being mine, and the third being the truth. They're also very different sides musically. The first side is very heavy. It's more of a hard rock, almost like a light metal, melodic, lots of harmony and all of that as well. But a lot of the things that concepts that were addressed on the first side were like war, peace, government, racism, media and it ends with a song that has a tribute to martin luther king with the i have a dream speech included in it the second side called mine is more of like romantic relaxing there's a couple love songs in there there's a song about a relationship with your father figure where it goes into the third side the truth which seems more like a spiritual thing they've got like a 70 piece orchestra there's a lot going on on that third side There's a lot of reference to God on the third side as well. And I think a lot of the lyrical content was taken from the book of revelations in the Bible Mm. talking about the end of time. So that's my take on this album. And it's going from their album before that porno graffiti, which was kind of a more of like sex, drugs and rock and roll type album to this one was quite a growth for the band. I think.
0: Yeah. I imagine it would be. And I was surprised by how much this did not sound like more than words or wholehearted. Because I haven't, um, I haven't never sat down with Extreme. Everyone is baseline familiar with Extreme for those two songs that sound yeah. literally nothing like what this band <laughs> sounds like in real life.
1: That's right. This band is all over the map. Um, but th- I would say the first side of this album is the truest to what they normally sound like, which is a hard rock, funky, Funky-flavored hard rock. The CD is about 77 minutes long. They did everything they could not to do it as a double CD. They wanted to keep it on one disc, but they did have to drop a song in order to do that, which was released later as a B-side. There is a nod to More Than Words in the first side at the end of a song called Rest in Peace, where as the hard rock starts to wind down, it goes into one of those acoustic things with a little slap at the end of the chord. And then they kind of sing a little harmony, and it sounds like it's just kind of an homage to More Than Words. That makes sense. I'm of two minds.
0: Like, I'm sure that More Than Words paid off all of these guys' mortgages. Mm -hmm. But I truly feel like the number of 30-something-year-old secretaries who love that acoustic ballad and then pick up this had an extremely different uh, (laughs) experience. than what they were trying to get
1: out of it. Absolutely. I think that's the number one struggle this band always had was, okay, so they put out this sappy acoustic single, beautiful song, romantic, very appealing to the popular masses. Kit's number one, does extremely well. And then they were, oh, now how do we introduce everyone to what else we do? To what we actually do. So the second single that they put out at that time was Wholehearted. Still an acoustic song. Still kind of light you know yeah but then but then yeah nothing else they do is like that really you can
0: tell from the videos because late 80s early 90s ballad metal has such a well-defined visual aesthetic that these guys will also shred on guitars eventually if you're watching
1: (laughs) (laughs) they will and when you say especially when you're talking about the guitar player because the guitar player is arguably the most successful person in this band He's very well known as a virtuoso in guitar circles, as you would say. He ended up at one point of his career being the guitar player on Rihanna's tour. Oh, nice! That's where he forlaid his success into. So he's done a lot of solo work and a lot. He's really well known as a guitar player in the industry.
0: Yeah, I got that from here. I had that. I had that in my notes because the main axis of like '80s, early '90s metal bands was from goofy as hell to this will break all of your fingers if you try to play it at home. Yeah. (laughs) And then every band from this period is somewhere along that spectrum. And Extreme are definitely all the way to one side. Like the playing here is fast and complex and it's detail oriented. And this dude is on fire.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's one thing I respect about this band is that musicianship wise, they are tight. They are strong. They write good songs and very intricate parts that are difficult for average folks to play i think like yeah it's a challenge yeah but i think it's wonderful to listen to and it should be extreme have no reason
0: to care whether you can play their songs at home they're not <laughs> in your home if they want to hear their songs they can play their songs if you want to play their songs level up
1: there's a video where nuno the guitar player uh, meets ed sheeran at the grammy awards or something like that and ed sheeran tells nuno that how much how big of a fan he was of them and Ed Sheeran's a very well-known musician and he's a good guitar player and he's who he sang one of the first songs he ever learned to play was Cupid's Dead off this album which really surprised Nuno because he didn't think that Ed Sheeran would have actually known this album for all his age being a factor and the fact that a lot of people didn't know this album so I think that was really mind-blowing to him That's and true,
0: you and I are a couple of years too young uh-huh. to go Well, to go see them at any place licensed. (laughs) Like, if you're you're not old enough to see this band at a bar, you're a couple of years young for this band. That is true of most bands. You're still allowed to like them, but you're not going to have the same opportunities to see them. Cupid's Dead actually manages to be both break your fingers difficult to play and also balls out ridiculous, especially when the gentleman singing tries to rap in the middle. It's not him doing the rap. Who's
1: doing the rap? I don't know. Oh my god! I don't know if there's a credit on there for the for the rap part. Uh, I I don't see any credits in the Wikipedia for it, for the uh, rap, but it's no one from the band.
0: Because mm. this is about the same time that Rush put out Roll the Bones. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I think this is about the same time, and that one also has a really uncomfortable rap breakdown in the middle. Really? On a, pro- on a progressive hard rock
1: record. So and I'm that's what-
0: wondering what was in the water in 1992.
1: <laughs> And it's interesting that you describe it as uncomfortable. Like awkward. It it just it just does it feel really out of place for you? It feels a little out of place for me. Like yeah. this is a band that
0: has a certain level of experimentation to them and that is part of what is good about them? Yes. But being experimental means sometimes your experiments will fail.
1: Hey, you're right. But it's to the eye of the beholder. So yeah. I do think that yeah, it could be an awkward thing for some to have a rap just out of nowhere in the middle of the tune.
0: Yeah, sure. I would I, I would rather a band take weird big swings mm-hmm. that sometimes don't connect than a band that followed up More Than Words with 12 new versions of More Than Words.
1: Thank you. You said it perfectly. I'm glad that they never compromised who they were because of what gave them a hit. They still said as, as much as it was a struggle to know where to go from there. They stuck true to themselves, and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Even if it didn't give them a lot of money to do so, they still – they still, you know what? They, the guys are still touring. They're still making money. They're fine. Plus, we had so much money to spend on music in the 1990s. Like, I'm sure the more-than-words
0: money will never run out. Mm, I doubt it. That is follow your muse wherever it might take you for the rest of your life and not have to worry about rent money right there. <laughs>
1: You can afford to be creative. You can be afford to do whatever kind of music you want after that.
0: Yeah. To that like that. Which is great because they are good at this. Like for an acoustic ballad band, that was the only thing that I knew about them. This mm-hmm. is nimble and precise and still sounding weighty and muscular. And these guys are obviously terrific musicians who are really comfortable working together. And you can hear that in what they're making.
1: Yes. And I'm glad that you got to see that perspective. I figured when I... When I suggested this album, that your impression would probably be somewhat surprised.
0: I was very surprised. Yeah.
1: I think most people are that they, that they're this talented and th- like this capable of doing so much. Like it's, it's actually very surprising to people who don't know about extreme and they are truly one of my very favorite bands because there's so many interesting elements to what they do. I am a big fan of vocal harmony. And they have that in spades. I think it's fantastic. It's
0: almost like a Beatley type vocal harmony, like a Sgt. Pepper era mid period Beatles type harmony and melody situation, which you do not expect from a band that exists primarily as a showcase for one of the best guitarists in the world.
1: Especially on that third side. There's a lot of stuff that reminds me of the Beatles on that third side because they got some crazy instrumentation. Like I said, there's like a huge orchestra that was recorded at Abbey Road Studios, actually. So I'm sure some of that influence seeped into what was going on musically for the album.
0: That makes sense. I originally thought as I was listening to it that they sounded a little bit like a metal version of World Party, if you're familiar with World Party. Then I realized part with you. No, no, they just they just both listened to a lot of the Beatles.
1: Yeah. You know what the other band you can really hear in this band? Queen. Oh yeah. They're yeah. hugely influenced by Queen. Absolutely. And they performed at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert, the one that had Metallica and Guns and Roses and George Michael and everybody, and they literally stole the show doing a 15 minute medley of Queen's Greatest Hits and blew the roof off. A stadium that already has no roof, Wembley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I watched that tribute concert. I do not know if I remember Extreme's performance there.
1: Fair. That was 30 years ago. I, that's fine if you don't remember that. <laughs> that's getting you- that's getting YouTubed by me shortly. Okay. It's very enjoyable. I love hey. the performance. Nice. I'm going to so, have to check it out. I think part of the reason why this album, too, didn't blow up was not only because people weren't expecting it, but the year it came out, Grunge was a factor in that. With that change, Grunge killed a lot of albums that were coming out at that time.
0: Yeah, The one-two punch of Nevermind coming out and these guys sounding literally nothing like their biggest hit probably did not do them any favors.
1: I wanted to ask you, can we play that game? The singles game?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Ooh, I like that game last time.
0: Good game. All right. How many singles were released off this record?
1: There were four.
0: There were four singles off this? Yes. All right. The first one was absolutely rest in peace. I recognize rest in peace i have heard that song somewhere i don't know where i don't usually listen to the sorts of radio stations that played music like this but this apparently it did well enough that it got on my radar for the other three i'm gonna go with and then you can tell me what out of the three i have right
1: okay stop the world that is correct stop the world Is the second single off this album. Nice. I want to say
0: Color Me Blind.
1: Color Me Blind does have that type of sound where it could be melodic enough and poppy enough almost in, in a way to get on radio, but it is not a single.
0: Is the fourth one God Isn't Dead? No. Oh, what are the other two?
1: I would be surprised if they even tried to make that one a single because I figured a mainstream America would find it maybe a little controversial. Well... Rest in peace. Then Stop the World. Then according to Wikipedia, Am I Ever Gonna Change was released as a single, which is funny because I don't recall that being a single. I recall because I actually have a copy of the CD single. Tragic Comic was a single. It also has a music video. So Tragic Comic was, I think, one of the most radio-friendly songs on the album. It's just a lighthearted, fluffy, like uh, acoustically based Love song about being silly and always being a goof and a klutz and whatever, because you're in love with this person. So they make you feel that way.
0: Yeah, I feel like that would, but I guess in 1992,
1: I thought if any song of that album had potential to be on the radio, it would have been tragic comic. I I never heard it, never heard it on the radio,
0: but I feel like the album did fine. It feels like the kind of thing that appeals to people who do not listen to the radio, but are willing to sink 76 minutes. Into listening to a single piece of music if it's from a band that they like.
1: Absolutely. I think that the hardcore fans of this band consider this album definitely one of their greatest, if not their greatest album. Other than that, porno graffiti would have been right up there. But I think it's a masterpiece, to be quite honest. Hence why I suggested it. Um, it's really. Even the production value is incredibly strong as well. Yeah, it's got
0: that like non grunge 90s. Glossy sheen. Like you can absolutely tell that these guys are a hard rock act in the same vein as a Def Leppard type rather than in the same vein as like a Pixies or a Nirvana type. Cause like they're working hard, but there is not one drop of sweat on any of these tracks.
1: It is buffed to a fine sheen. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny cause they classify this under funk metal, glam metal, under genre, according to the Wikipedia. Funk metal, I'd say yes. Uh, there's always been a funk style to the guitars in everything that Nuno Betancourt plays. This album was more, I think, side one was more straight-ahead rock than it was funk.
0: There's a little bit in the rhythm section. I can kind of hear mm-hmm.
1: it. Especially in, like, in the bass playing, too? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it was produced by Nuno Betancourt and Bob St. John. So yes, they buffed the shit out of it. <laughs> they did a fantastic job, I think. Progressive rock is funny to me, but... I never thought about using that term to describe the third side or any of it, to be honest, um, until I've been hearing that tossed around a little bit more of late. Because I, I instantly think of Rush when I think of progressive rock. These guys
0: kind of have that. They kind of have that going on, though. Like, they have that, we are willing to stretch out and try some shit mm-hmm. quality to them. You know, once, once you're doing a three-sided concept album, you might be a prog band. You might be coming up on that area of your career and that's fun to me because i've always been more of like a punk kid than a metalhead as far Mm -hmm. as my really loud guitar music goes so while stuff like this was coming out originally i was more into like the cure or rem or depeche mode and whatnot Mm -hmm. and then shortly after this grunge took off really big and you had to be aware of it Mm -hmm. so this period in hard rock has always been kind of a gap in my musical knowledge that i had been meaning to fill in but never get around to. Wow.
1: Oh. I'm glad that you decided it was something you wanted to, to listen to. And one thing I appreciate about you, especially doing a show like this, is how open you are to different concepts in music, different genres. Because some people can have like a, a musical snobbery where they're just like, they instantly turn their nose up at a genre that doesn't interest them. But you don't have that when you say that, hey, I didn't listen to this then, but I want to check it out now. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Whenever Chelsea's
0: on the show, I am filling in my knowledge of early 2000s angry white person music. So I'm now I'm now baseline familiar with Disturbed and System of a Down.
1: Ah, I think those are two of the better ones to get to get acquainted with, for sure. Because you, the post-grunge stuff is the stuff that gets a little bit like annoying after a while because that's the stuff that people tend to find sounds the same that's where you got your default creed nickelback kind of thing happening where no no offense to those bands because i i do enjoy a lot of their songs but that's kind of where it all bleeds into one yeah by that
0: point they'd figured out what the house style for grunge ought to be and were slotting bands into sounding like that
1: that all felt very contrived by record companies and and the like to me
0: Contrived, but also a little bit dishonest. Like, extreme is very upfront about the fact that they are buffing their music to a high finish. They are slathering on the harmonies. They are making music that sounds good in a stadium. This is a very calculated attempt at mass communication. And they're not pretending that it's different from that. This is not a small and personal project that started in someone's bedroom. This is an ambitious band sitting down and saying, it is time for us to do something huge.
1: Absolutely. They are a band that never sat around and rested on their laurels. They've never been lazy. And there's only four of them in the band. So the fact that they can create such a huge sound with only four people is very impressive. They can pull off what they do on that record. They pull it off live just as well. Of course, you're going to probably have some backing tracks for things like orchestration and whatnot when you're doing a live show. That's fair. But to keep a full sound, they still only have one guitar player on stage. And that also gives credit to how strong their bassist is. So they're a very tight, well-oiled machine live. They're fantastic. I actually flew to Chicago five years ago just to see them because they hadn't uh, toured up here. They haven't played in this area since when I first discovered them 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, you got to fly out to see a gig sometimes.
1: You do. Oh, it's such a great experience to do that. It was one of the happiest days of my life. It was at the, um, Ooh, what is that place called? House of Blues, Chicago.
0: Nice. Yeah. I am just coming to terms with the fact that I am not going to see a single concert this year.
1: hmm It's that, brutal.
0: It's not a good feel.
1: No, I'm trying to focus on those good memories of those good shows I got to see right now because it's going to be a while <laughs> before that kind of thing happens again.
0: See if there's an entire extreme show on YouTube. Oh, there is. People, oh, you, there's people, so many
1: bootlegs. So yeah. many bootlegs. Yeah.
0: And for some reason, YouTube just hosts bootlegged concerts, and that's fine with everyone. I watched Carter USM play Reading Festival in 1994 the other day. This would is have been a good Is something you
1: saw for the first time watching it on YouTube, or had you possibly had bootlegged VHS copy of it?
0: I had not had a bootlegged VHS copy of it, unfortunately.
1: I used to get bootlegs of these guys from like pen pals and shit in the States who had them on VHS and then they'd dub it for you. And then, you know, the quality would continuously get worse and worse as somebody dubbed the video for you. Yeah. But I didn't even care. I just loved watching it. It was fantastic.
0: It might not have been the best copy, but it was your copy.
1: Mm hmm. I had a very personal relationship with the VHS that I loved so much because I went to a huge effort to get it. But now I can find that very same concert on YouTube.
0: I was the same way with uh, cassettes of live sets for bands for a stretch of time. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't pop in a VHS tape, but there would definitely be a concert that I had picked up off of a dude kicking around my Walkman.
1: How was the uh, quality? Did it have that familiar buzz of something that had been dubbed a few times? Oh, absolutely, it did. <laughs> it was annoying at the time, but now it's endearing. <laughs> So how did
0: these guys uh, ride out the 90s? Did Nevermind put an end to the extreme
1: as an enormous stadium straddling monolith? I would say that it definitely caused them to struggle charting and such, but they didn't quit until they released the album after this, after that album. Waiting for the Punchline was the name of that album. I'm trying to just remember what year it came out. I think it was 1995, 94 or 95. Another tight album. I thought it was another great, great effort from them. And it was also a little bit all all over the map musically. But then they called it quits after that album. They reunited again in the 2000s. So that's when they put a new uh, new album together. I think it was 2000, 2008. And they're back together, and they're still touring together. and they're. They, but I tell you, it takes them a long time to put an album together because all the fans have been waiting for this new one that they keep saying, telling us. It's almost done. Almost done, you guys. So we're excited I, for
0: it. As well you should be. And you should just have a good attitude about waiting. I was talking with Mike about Tool the other day. Sometimes your favorite band just makes you wait.
1: Yeah, and it's okay. I don't <laughs> mind the wait. I don't mind the wait. It's, it's something to get excited about for sure.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be out when it's ready. And then you'll know that this is the version that they wanted to do.
1: I would rather them be happy with the product they put out and wait a bit for it um, than having something that was rushed and thrown together and no good.
0: Fact. And I appreciate that they, uh, they continued to sound like themselves post Nevermind. Like, there are two ways of reacting to grunge for 80s hard rock bands. You could yeah. either attempt to put out your version of a grunge record which is what Motley Crue did and I will <laughs> <laughs> let you have your opinions on that record I certainly have some pretty strong ones
1: I'll say already that I'm not a Motley- I'm not a Crue fan so I don't really feel entitled yeah. to offer an opinion and cuz I just don't like anything they do so
0: Fair enough or alternately you go the Bon Jovi route and put out the exact same type of thing that you'd been doing this whole time and not care what anybody thinks about it
1: Yeah I that's that's The Bon Jovi thing is, they've always stayed Bon Jovi, but with slight changes. There were slight musical changes in there. A song like It's My Life that came out when it did in the year 2000 definitely sounded different than anything off Slippery When Wet. It was modernized. It was being produced
0: differently, but that song could have been on Slippery When Wet.
1: It's My Life? Sure. Just a different... (laughs) That's a fist-pumping anthem
0: that you can put on really loud in your Camaro as you tool around
1: downtown, because that's... Oh well, yeah, I guess that's true. In my Bon Jovi fandom, I'm very much asserting the fact that I think they've had minor changes over the years, but they stayed true to who they were, too. Yeah, it's
0: evolution rather than revolution.
1: And they were the ones who actually got out of the, uh, through the grunge area um, time and out, when a lot of the metal peers of the 80s were not able to do the same.
0: Yep, yeah, they managed it. 1992 destroyed a lot of careers.
1: But a lot of those bands, like, maybe they weren't changing what they were doing either, and they still failed. Maybe there was just something about Bon Jovi that they still wanted to hear them. Crew seemed to survive that, too.
0: Crew were never an ongoing radio concern after this, though. Kickstart My Heart is just genetic memory now. You are kind of born knowing how Kickstart My Heart (laughs) goes. Whereas any Motley Crue record post 1990. Sounds good, but sounds a little bit like an excuse to go on tour.
1: That's the thing though. Like these guys, doesn't matter who they are. If you've had more than two hits, you can tour for successfully for the rest of your life. If you had one hit, maybe. Two hits, you're golden. Yeah. But it's where you're gonna play, that's the question. Are you gonna fill out arenas or are you gonna play at the casinos? Doesn't matter, but you're still gonna be able to play off two hits.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. People would absolutely see a band based on one song that they know, and it's on a day that they have off.
1: I always uh, want to know in those bands, for those bands that have that one hit, do they get sick of playing it?
0: I have no doubt. Extreme would love to have the option of not playing More Than Words.
1: I would love to see them with a not, not play it at all, actually. I'm sick of the song myself, but they right? have to play it. I did an interview on my podcast recently with a band called Mr. Big. They had a very similar situation where their huge hit was an acoustic ballad called to be with you first thing eric says to me the singer he says and i'm gonna sell you this right now right off the bat i'm not sick of singing to be with you i still love it i'll sing it any day anytime i'm I, not a problem good
0: that's a banger
1: and after that we had a two and a half hour conversation about other stuff
0: to be with you is a great song to bang out at karaoke while several drinks in
1: <laughs> it's a beautiful song yeah. I like it a lot. And it's it's vocally challenging too, I think. It's like it's not an easy song to sing, especially for men with deeper voices. Yeah, it it's, high. it's high.
0: It definitely pushes your high range. It's not as bad as like a journey or a deaf leopard, but it takes a couple of steps run up to uh get to there. Yeah. More yeah. than words is less of a karaoke type track. Uh
1: I wonder why that is. I do hear it performed at karaoke not a lot. I'm wondering, like, people kind of look at it as a duet, even though it's not really a duet. It's just that harmony. Now, the karaoke track has a harmony built into it, so you don't have to have two people singing it.
0: Never as good.
1: It's never right. But, yeah, I think that for some reason it's kind of looked at as a duet. Maybe. Maybe. It
0: feels like a guy with kind of long hair at a party with an acoustic guitar track, but it doesn't manage to be that all the way because of the break your fingers quality of extreme <laughs> guitar work. Yeah. Like in order to be a real play this at a party while drunk on an acoustic guitar song, your song has to also kind of like not suck, but there's a simplicity that you require like Wonderwall or that one James Blunt song.
1: Beautiful. I think it's called. That's the one. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, Uh, More Than Words is not a very easy, like, straight-ahead four-chord song, because some of the chords have some interesting changes in it and whatnot. So you really need to know that before you go ahead and pick up the guitar and start playing it. But it's also not a song that you just sing by yourself. Uh, It's lacking something huge if it doesn't have that vocal harmony on it. And if you want someone singing it with you, there's no point.
0: Yeah, a lot of the songs here are built around harmonies. It is guitar, then harmony, then song. Then funk. I've (laughs) racked in parts of Extreme now.
1: And as in the band as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, like, Nuno is a guitar uh, legend. He does a lot of touring. He did this thing called the uh, Generation Axe, which was where he got together with like eight other legendary guitar players and like Steve Vai and uh, I think Morello might have been on that. The guy from Black Label Society. Just a bunch of, like, monsters on guitar, and they all toured together across North America, and it was a really big deal. This was only two years ago. But, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. He's been able to play on a lot of tracks for a lot of musicians just because he's a phenom. And I'm just happy that this band is still together and writing new music because their songs are just right up my alley. Yeah, they sound
0: like no one else. Like, nobody could do their job.
1: And that's a... (sighs) If if you don't sound like another band and you just sound like you and you say, hey, that sounds like an extreme tune or that, you know, I'll see your song and be like, that sounds like a Stevie Wonder tune. Of course it does, because that's what he sounds like. No one else does.
0: Even earlier in this conversation, when we were talking to him, the touchstones were like Rush or Queen or the fucking Beatles. Like the pedigree here mm. is top notch as far as what kind of band this should be.
1: It's kind of sad in a way that more people don't know about how good they are because underrated is definitely what I would say to describe them when you consider whose leagues they belong in
0: yeah but that is what you get when you make music that is decidedly anti-fashionable right
1: queen did the same thing they were putting out songs yeah. where their people were like what is this i don't understand what's happening here good <laughs> that was the goal kind of yeah. you know A very similar situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was a bloody-mindedness about their muse being followed rather than worrying whether it connected with any kind of an audience, which is great, and I respect it, but if you then don't connect with an audience, that's kind of on you.
1: That's where it goes (laughs) sideways sometimes.
0: Yep. Yeah. Like, I appreciate this piece of music a lot more than I would have appreciated 12 more of More Than Words.
1: but Aren't you glad I didn't make you listen to a Bon Jovi record? I bet that's what you expected. (laughs) First of all, Bon Jovi are good, actually. Yeah. They are... But people
0: don't know that. (laughs) Bon Bon Jovi are in the donut hole of this podcast, (laughs) where they will never, ever, ever be spoken about on this podcast. Okay. Because no individual Bon Jovi album is so important to me that I would have to... force somebody else to listen to it and then come on and talk to me about it for an hour yes but also no guest will ever be able to suggest one for me because i have heard them all Uh (laughs) uh-huh
1: even even these days
0: i don't know that i've heard these days i've heard the major canon ones yes
1: these days it's their greatest album and it's also the one that nobody gives a shit about that's the way i feel about that one but i already have a whole episode on my show dedicated to that album so that's nice. great. That's, it, it, it got some attention. I'm happy. There comes a time you got to
0: just sit people down and go, no, goddammit, your taste in music is wrong and you should be listening to
1: Extreme. <laughs> I need to be more forceful with people and say, no, this is music. Yeah. Now, but then I hate when people do that to me. So I,
0: I need you to listen to this. It's a hard rock album that sounds like the opposite of what a hard rock album from 1992 is supposed to. Also, it's 76 minutes long. Because it is the 90s, and we just found out that you could put 90 minutes worth of music on a CD, and nobody had stopped to ask if we should.
1: So we just did it.
0: Yeah. This didn't suffer from that too badly, compared to some other 90s records. Blood Sugar Sex Magic by Red Hot Chili Peppers, for example, could have been kept to a tight 45. I've never
1: listened to it. I've only heard the singles. Yeah, That that checks out. The singles are there. Which is funny because I'm not a fan of the Chili Peppers, but I'm a fan of this band, even though they have a similar funkiness to them, right? But I'm not a Chili Peppers fan.
0: I remember having been a Chili Peppers fan. I don't remember why.
1: Wow. what it was to appeal to you in the first place. It might have been song driven. There might have been a song or two that caught your attention and more about those individual songs than the group as a whole or their whole product.
0: Maybe it might have been. It might have just been that I was at a period of my life that I have since left.
1: Yeah, that'll do but, it too.
0: But I loved those guys for a stretch of time. Cannot listen to them now. These guys are uh, extreme or more serious-minded. I feel like than Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like they're making a. They're making more of like a statement.
1: I would say on this album, yes. I would say on other albums, it was not. I think it was all well thought out and well planned, executed, and written. In a nice concept for each album, but I don't think they took themselves seriously.
0: Wait, like, so pornography is not a serious statement album mm, about no pornography, but also street
1: art. No, I wouldn't say so. I would say <laughs> <laughs> I'd say yeah Some topics are dealt with, but it's more tongue in cheek. I find that album very tongue in cheek. yeah There's a whole song about a stripper, or a girl they they all once knew who was kind of she kind of got around. Susie Wants Her All-Day Sucker. Oh, that's a
0: very 80s metal lyric.
1: Or He-Man Woman Hater, which is one of my favorite songs on the album. And I don't find it offensive to me, but it's more poking fun at people who are like that than saying that they like that. It's more making fun of it, right? Sooner or later, you'll be a He-Man Woman hater. It's inevitable. And to become one, you got to really hate to love them. Very, very tongue in cheek
0: makes sense okay did the singer here join van halen
1: yes he did he was that guy yeah for like a hot minute for one album one album with van halen he was it their
0: last album or did they go back to one of their regular singers after him
1: i believe they recorded another album with a regular singer after him but i would have to look that up to be sure they might have done another album with sammy Hagar. You might be correct. They might not have ever recorded another thing after that.
0: That's so weird. I don't I'm looking feel... right
1: now. But yes, he did. He recorded the album Van Halen 3 with them as their third singer, and it tanked hard.
0: Did it suck? No. Or, or were people just over Van Halen by that point?
1: Uh, I think that's part of it. Yes. I think at that time, anyway, I think a lot of people might have been disengaged with the band because they wanted Sammy or they wanted David Lee Roth. They didn't understand what was happening there.
0: That makes sense because I think he would I think he would do well in that kind of band judging from what I'm hearing here. His voice has like a rough blue collar really masculine quality that grounds the material and stops it from veering off the rails and becoming over technical which music like this very much needs and music like Van Halen very much needs and he's obviously got experience working with a guitar player who is a virtuoso but also kind of a control freak.
1: Yeah, he would be the perfect choice, you would think. It
0: it feels like he'd be a really good fit, and that would do really well for him. And then Van Halen goes back on the road with a lead singer who's ten or fifteen years younger than the rest of the band and presents a better face than that.
1: Gary Sharon is a fantastic frontman as well as a singer. He really knows how to work crowd into a frenzy, so he had that going for him as well maybe the songs didn't resonate with the Van Halen fan base.
0: That makes sense. And it is it is kind of an ask to get your fans on board with a third lead singer after well, 20 years.
1: I think it was starting to show a lot of the cracks in the band as a family unit that a band is. A band's essentially a family. Yeah. I think it was showing that, okay, there's obviously some kind of power struggle in here or they're having some kind of disputes that, Aren't attractive to everyone who's a fan. And I mean, it still goes on with this band to this day, Van Halen, where it's like they'll start a tour and they'll cancel it because they're fighting. Or, you know, people have said that he kicked out their bass player. uh, What's his name? Michael Anthony. They That Eddie kicked out the bass player and put his son in his place, his own son. And people were like, what? So, Do you know, yeah, what? maybe that left a distaste in people's mouths. I don't know.
0: Once you start replacing people with your children, you are no longer a band. You are now a dictatorial regime of some kind.
1: I do believe when you have a band that's named after you, that's how you run your band. You are the ultimate boss, hence Bon Jovi.
0: Yep. Yeah, same you're thing. in charge of the whole goddamn thing.
1: It's always been about him, and he was the one on the record contract, and he never made anyone in the band Bon Jovi sign a contract. He did it on a handshake. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whereas Extreme, everyone is doing something here. Like, this is guitar-forward music because this genre of music is incredibly guitar-forward. And also, if you have access to this particular guitarist, you fucking find things for him to do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't waste that! But
0: everyone here is contributing something really unique that enriches the whole. Like, there's no one here... From whom I could imagine listening to a solo set and enjoying it as much as I enjoyed this.
1: Nice, nice. I, I, that's cool. I know they've all had their their own side projects. Nuno's had several. Gary's had his own bands other than Extreme as well. But they, when they get back together and do their thing, it's really magical what they can come up with. They just had that gift, and when they're all together, it works. To answer the question about Van Halen's last album, it was actually put out in 2012, and David Lee Roth was the singer called A Different Kind of Truth. Oh,
0: that is not a good choice for them.
1: That was the very last uh, album they put out. So there was, and that Gary Sharon one was before that, the one before.
0: (laughs) Well, Gary Sharon did not put Van Halen in the ground.
1: Van Halen did.
0: (laughs) Yes, they did. Yes, they did.
1: Uh, You really can't blame Gary. I think Gary kind of seems like an innocent in all of it. I feel like he was called on to do a role and he was eager and willing and did his job and then just got shit on. He was qualified. He
0: was kind of hoping that he was joining 1987 Van Halen. Instead, he was joining 1997 Van Halen. And (laughs) that did not end well for anyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. I feel like he's fine. I feel like Van Halen's
0: fine. I feel like nobody is coming out of this world He's probably before. just like
1: slowly backing away from the band going, yeah, all right. Well, I'm, it was fun, guys. I'm going to go out here. I can't be in
0: your band anymore because I'm not a fucking lunatic. <laughs> D- judging from both Diamond Dave and Sammy, that appears to be what you require out of a vocalist. I'm going to go back and be an extreme a little bit more. It's a lot more chill.
1: It sure made that gig look
0: good, didn't it? Yep. In summary, since we're about getting to that time, Extreme are a band that sounded like the exact opposite of their biggest hits, and I got a real kick out of learning that. I love being surprised by a piece of music, and I had a ton of fun with this. I will probably listen to this again.
1: I'm glad. That makes me happy. And that was one of the goals I did when I wanted to present this album to you, is because I had a feeling, whether you liked it or not, you were going to be surprised.
0: I very much was. You very much succeeded in that realm. If I were to explore a second Extreme album, would I want the one after this or the one previous to it?
1: Well, if you want something fun, like I said, tongue in cheek, lighthearted, it's still really groovy, lots of cool funk and guitars, I would go with Extreme 2, Porno Graffiti, the album before it. Something a little more introspective and dark, per se, go with uh, the one after it. And that would be waiting for the punchline.
0: All right, mental note, I may check one or both out. And I am tempted to end the episode on the rap part of Cupid's Dead, but I don't (laughs) feel like that would be treating this record fairly. So instead, I'm going to end it on Stop the World, because that tune really showcases why they're good.
1: And that guitar solo is killer.
0: That guitar solo will melt your face off. Off. This has been the soundtrack to a life follow along on facebook and twitter at soundtrackcast soundtrackcast soundtrackcast.com like us share us rate us review us reviews are helpful because they help the podcast find new people one sentence and a five-star review only the fivest of stars (laughs) will do (laughs) naomi do you want to plug some stuff
1: yeah uh well dope nostalgia that is my 90s centered podcast we talk about And with some of the obscure artists of the time and some of that were actually very popular. Uh, We get to do interviews with them. We get to talk about them and we share some old school commercials, talk about some of the fashion and we have a great time. So that's Dope Nostalgia where all of your great podcasts are served. You can find it.
0: Delightful. And we are taking off. Coming up next, Stop the World by a little band called Extreme. We're going to be back in two weeks time. With someone different, I want to say also a funk hybrid record from the 90s, but one that could not sound less like this one. So look forward to that. Have a great night.